Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Good evening. My name is Kevin McDonald, and welcome to the first ever Facebook Live online property event. I'm really excited. It's the first time this has been done in the UK, possibly even in the world for property through this Facebook live stream. Creative investment techniques work in every property strategy. There's lots of different property strategies out there. The Progressive, here at Progressive Property, we teach a number of different strategies from buy to let, from how to source deals, deal packaging, buy, refurbish, refinance, joint ventures as we're talking a little bit about tonight and finance tonight no money down investing and flipping properties so buy refurbish sell serviced accommodation commercial and super commercial so lots of different strategies here's the thing no matter which one of those strategies you want to do then you need to be using creative investment techniques and joint ventures otherwise you'll never get the portfolio size that you're aiming to achieve are certainly not quick enough could you own a few properties over your lifetime absolutely but if you're exchanging your time for money in a job, trying to save up a deposit, it's very slow. The idea of tonight, the idea of creative strategies is to get you thinking about other people's money, how you can use other people's money to help build your property business, but at the same time, help them build their property business. So the strategies we're going to be focusing on tonight are very much down here in the bottom left-hand corner of what Progressive Teach, which is joint ventures and finance. Now, a number of people are watching in tonight, and you may have a strategy already, an idea of what it is that you want to do. So just have a moment and maybe write down at home what your strategy is. What is the thing that you want to do in your property business? What's your strategy? Is it single let? Is it a house of multiple occupation, multi-let property? Maybe it's serviced accommodation. Maybe you want to do serviced accommodation properties, holiday lets. Maybe it's commercial conversions. Maybe that's where you're aiming to go with your business. Or possibly it's buy, refurbish, and flip. So buy to flip. No matter what your strategy is, your common problem is typically that yeah, I don't have the funds. I know what I want to do, but I don't have the money to do it. And this is where creative strategies come in. And this is where my entire concept. So I, I do no money down property investing. And many people say to me, no money down, is that even possible? Can you really do no money down? And the reality is you can. There is lots of ways that you can do no money down property deals. But no money down is either none of your money or no money whatsoever. But it's not just joint ventures, it's creative strategies. And creative strategies could be using the homeowner's property to fund your own deal. The property you're buying could fund the deal on a strategy called Vendor Finance. There's lots of different ways. Buy to flip we mentioned, but you could do assisted sale, which is don't buy to flip. And what I've just shared with you is the no money down matrix. Each one of the acronyms on that matrix is a different way that you can control and purchase property using literally none of your own funds. Now, sometimes you do need money. So obviously money is needed some some deals. But the concept of no money down is none of your money, right? None of your money other people's money, it could be very little money, or no money left in. Now, very little money, well, you just said no money down, but very little money, you could get control of a house for a pound and some solicitor fees. 
that is a lot less than 25% deposit plus stamp duty plus the solicitor fees. So getting control of properties for a much, much, much less amount of money than through the traditional save up a deposit and buy. So there's loads of different ways that you can do creative no money down deals. However, what I want to focus on tonight is one specific one, which is OPM initially, which is other people's money. And other people's money is around joint ventures. So joint venturing with other people. Now that might be joint venturing for risk and reward, or it might be borrowing money. So other people's money where they just lend you the money for a fixed rate return, where there's reward but no risk to them. So I would cover both of them tonight in a little bit because there's some differences between the two. So joint venturing with somebody where they're in for risk and reward, profit share in the deal, or just a money loan where they're in the deal for reward only, return on their money, but no risk in terms of the equity share. So why joint venture? Joint venturing is critical, but there's a number of reasons why people would decide that now is the time to joint venture. And the first of those reasons would be that you have run out of money. So you've tried to start in property, you've got a few property deals done, but you've run out of your own money. So maybe you're sitting at home, maybe you've done your first property deal and you've run out of money. Now I said there's 2.2 million landlords in the UK and over 2 million of them only, only own one house. Why such a huge statistic? Because they saved up a deposit to buy one house, they purchased that one house, they rented it out and they never managed to save a deposit for the second one and they didn't learn to joint venture. So they got stuck on one property. Those that have got more than one built a portfolio, you could get, depending on what you're in your job, two or three or four maybe with your job, but then you're gonna get stuck. The reality is if you've got less than sort of five or six houses, you're going to have a job still because they won't create enough income to get you out of your job. So maybe you've run out of money. That can be one of the first reasons why you might joint venture. I've run out of money. So maybe you don't want to use your money. So maybe you've got money, but you don't want to use it. Now, when I started off joint venturing initially, so I lost a lot of money when I got started in property back in 2003. I had a lot of debt. And when I initially started doing joint ventures, when I came to Progressive, so I came to Progressive 2013, I went to the Property Super Conference at Wembley Stadium. 2014, I came and did trainings here at Progressive in Peterborough. And I went looking to do joint ventures, looking to raise money, borrow money, so I could fund property deals. I did that because I hadn't run out of money, I just had no money, I had no money. Today, I still do joint ventures. I've got money today, I've got a um, significant portfolio today, but I still do joint ventures. Why? Because I don't want to use my own money. Why would I use my own money when I've learned how to not use my own money? Now, I still use my own money for certain things, but it doesn't mean I don't also do deals with other investors where we can give a profit share on deals to them or just give them a return on their money. Maybe it's leverage. So you can create more with less. Leveraging. Now, you can leverage other people's money. If you've got one joint venture partner and they're putting the funding into a deal or they're borrowing, you're borrowing money off somebody for a deal, let's say you start off number one. You've got a joint venture partner. They lend all of the money for a purchase of a property. You buy the property with them for profit share, risk and reward. They fund it, the purchase, the refurbishment, everything. You manage the refurb. So their money, your time. While that's happening, 
you also see another deal, but you borrow the money on an interest rate only from another investor and give them a return on their money. You've now got 100% of this deal and 50% of this one. None of your money. Let's say you then start to do this for a few years and you save up money like I have and you've got deposit pots and you can buy property with your own funds. Then you can still do the 50-50 with the JV partner. You can still borrow money for the 100% from a private investor and you could also buy one with your money. So rather than just doing the one that you can afford to do, you're now doing three deals which you own two fully and half of the other, allowing you to scale. If you are in a position that you've run out of money, you've got no funds, maybe you're starting off, you've not run out of funds, you just never had them, right at the start of your journey, no funds. 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing. In my first 10, you might want to write that down, because in my first 10 years in property, I struggled massively to get started. I built up a debt after 10 years rather than a profit. And the reason I did that was because property doesn't necessarily make you wealthy. The right type of property deals done in the right way make you wealthy. But what I was doing was the wrong deals in the wrong way. And I was trying to do it with my own money, with my savings from a job where I was exchanging time for money. It was only when I started to use other people's money, when I started focusing on funding deals via other people, that I started to scale my property business. So 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing. Now, many people think, okay, and I've met people who have said to me, I want to own 100% of the house, though. It's fine. If you want to own 100% of the house, you can own 100% of the house. But you'll own 100% of a house. If you do joint ventures, you could have 20 properties with other people's money, and you own 50% of each one, which means you own 100% of 10. 50% of 20 would be 10 in full, as opposed to just doing one on your own. And there's lots of different ways you can structure the deal. You can do things like one for you, one for me. So you don't need to set up a company necessarily with somebody, although I have in some scenarios. So set up a limited company, do a deal together. You might do a, um, a mortgage host deed of trust. One person hosts a mortgage, the other person has a deed of trust. You could do, as I said, one for you, one for me. So that would be where you would find a deal somebody else puts the money in, you find the property, manage the refurb, and they get the deal. But then on refinance, they get the money back. Then you do one for you. So one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. And you build two separate portfolios, but using the investor's money. Now, why would an investor allow you to do that? Why would an investor want you to do that? Well, there's loads of reasons, but Maybe they're busy professionals. Maybe they're in a high-powered job. They work long hours, and they want to invest in property, but they don't have the time. Maybe they live in another country, and they're looking to invest in the UK. Maybe they live in what different part of the country, and they're looking to invest in your area. There is many reasons why somebody would do this. Maybe they're a family friend, a work colleague, somebody who um, sees you as their property expert and needs you to help, you help them get started and build their property business. You see, there's three things. Three things that you need to build a property business. You need time. Time to look for the deals, view the deals, negotiate the deals, manage the deals. You need time. You need knowledge. Learn how to do property in the right way. Learn joint ventures. Learn creative no money down strategies. Learn how to do SA. Learn how to do HMO. You need the knowledge. And thirdly is you need the money. So you need the time, the knowledge, and the money. Here's the reality. Most people don't have all three. Nobody, very few, have all three. You see, those with loads of time don't have the money. Those that may have the knowledge don't have the money. 
Those with the money don't have the time. And at the start of my journey, I used to pedestalize the money. The money was the most important thing. I needed the money because I didn't have any. And I seen the money as the most important thing. Now that I do have money, I realize that actually the most important thing is time. Time, because they're printing money. There's more money in the world today than there's ever been. Money is all around us. All you have to do is learn how to attract that money towards you. What you cannot get back, what you cannot make more of is time. But you have got to invest time to get a return. Not making it. Money, we can make lots of. So you need time, knowledge, and money. What you need to do at home is sit down and think, okay, have I got the time? And by the way, we all only have 24 hours in the day. So you do have the time because you've got the same time as me. We've both got the same time as people like Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. We have the same time, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook. We have the same time as they have. What it means is that some people manage their time better than others. It's managing your time in the right way. So time is not the problem. Time is something we all have 24 hours of. That leaves you with two problems, knowledge and money. Knowledge and money. You can get the knowledge. I got my knowledge here at Progressive Property. You can get the knowledge. You can educate yourself. Maybe you can read books. Yeah, you can read books. There's great knowledge in books. Yes, you can Google stuff, but you got to get the knowledge. If everything was on Google, we'd all be millionaires. You've got to align yourself and surround yourself with the right people, with like-minded people who are on the same journey as you. So you can solve the knowledge problem. They don't have a time problem. You just manage your time better. So knowledge and time sorted. Money is typically the one that most people struggle with. Joint venturing, creative finance techniques, creative investment techniques solves, solves the money problem. No money down investing solves the money problem. So once you can get a position on all of those, you become investable, you become successful. Joint venturing reduces your financial risk. When you're in a deal, right, and you've got to think about the upside, but also the downside. Now, when you're in a deal and it goes well, I lost big times. I hear people say, um, actually, I don't want to join venture with somebody because I don't want to give away half my profit. But we've just, we've just come out of lockdown on COVID-19. And at the start of lockdown, there's a lot of people who owned 100% of a property that had 100% of the risk, 100% of the downside. If you have a joint venture with somebody, you share the risk. You share the risk. Now, maybe your joint venture partner has got more money in their bank than you. If there's a downturn, if there's a pandemic, something like COVID-19 that nobody expected, right? nobody could have predicted, uh, if that happens, then you might not have all the money that you need in your bank account to get you through the journey. You might have just invested in another deal. You might have just took on another project and your savings you've just put into something. Your joint venture partner can keep you safe. Your joint venture partner can make sure that you can survive through that period because they can fund you through the period and then let you do a deal where they fund you through the period and then afterwards when it gets back up and running and things are all successful again, then they get paid back the bit they funded through and then you start to split the money again afterwards. So joint ventures reduce your financial risk significantly. And a lot of people, only in times like downturns like now, do people realize the importance of joint ventures because they spend too much time looking at, I'm giving away half my profit. But you're also reducing your risk by half. You're protecting the downside. And that's almost more important. You protect the downside first, then you scale the upside.
What about banks? So banks are not lending as much money as they had been. Banks are going to tighten up their lending criteria much more over the coming months. It's already started to happen. A lot, I've done an application for a mortgage this week and on a refinance of a property, and there was a whole COVID-19 form to fill in. They wanted to know what my business plan was post-COVID-19. I had to write about what my business plan was. They wanted this, the obvious questions of, have I had, had COVID-19? Have I got any, and me or my family members got any signs of COVID-19? And what type of tenant have I put in? What is my plan for managing the tenant's risk during COVID-19? What if one of the tenants gets ill? All of this is in the application. Now, this is going to make it much more strict, much more stringent, much more difficult to get bank lending. Many people, the 2 million property owners out of the 2.2 million that have got one house, they are focused specifically on bank lending. The only way they know of funding property deals is through bank lending. However, bank lending is the least place I look for initially to fund a property deal. Every property deal we do when we purchase it, we buy for cash. We buy for cash, cash purchaser. <clears throat> Why is this important? A lot of people have a misconception about when you buy with a bank. When you're buying a property with a bank mortgage, it is important no matter what you do to go back to first principles on a property purchase, which is I need to buy a property to add value. I have got to be adding value to this property. Now, when you're looking to add value to a property, you're buying either below market value or you're looking to add value by maybe turning a two bed house into a three bed or turning a one bed flat into a two bed. You're looking to add value. When you add value, then you refinance at the new value. Now, a bank, when you buy a house, will lend you, as an investor, typically 75% of the purchase price. 75% of the purchase price. If you, for instance, are buying a 100 grand house, the bank will lend you 75 grand. Now, if you take on that property with a mortgage, and then you plan to do a refurbishment to add value, and then refinance, if you try to refinance in six, seven months later, the bank will, will have feel that you've took out their lending in the wrong way or misled them at the start because you should have took out bridging at the start, not a bank loan, because you'll be saying to them, this property I'm going to rent to a tenant, I'm going to rent to the tenant in the next four to six weeks. But in reality, you put the builders in to do a refurb. So what typically has to happen is you don't go to the same lender. You have to go to a different lender. So bank A lends you the money to start with, then you go to bank B six months later to refinance. But here's where you come into a problem. On refinance, Bank B will lend you 75% of the value rather than the purchase price. However, Bank A, the bank you borrowed the money off initially, they lent you that money for a long-term plan. To redeem their mortgage after six months, even if it's got a no early redemption penalty, to redeem their mortgage in the first six months, seven, eight, nine months even, in the first year, and pay them back that money, they did not get back what they expected to get from that deal. And they could blacklist you, meaning that if you approach that bank in the future, internally blacklist you, if you approach that bank in the future for lending, they'll highlight on their computer system that you had borrowed money off them previously that was meant to be for a longer period of time and you paid it back nine months after borrowing it. Blacklisted. So we, this is why there is bridging loans. You would buy with a bridging loan you would do a refurbishment and then you would refinance onto a mortgage for the first time at value seven, eight, nine months later. Except bridging loans can be quite expensive. 
This is where joint ventures and private investor finance comes into play. We buy cash when we purchase a property initially. And we buy cash with joint venture finance or private investor finance. We then do the refurbishment again with private investor finance or joint venture finance. We do the refurbishment to add value. Then we go for bank finance. And the bank now, because we own it, will lend us 75% of the value, not the purchase price. We refinance it onto a mortgage for the first time and we pay the money back to the joint venture partner or the private investor who's lent us the funds. And now the property is on a long-term mortgage product. That is the best way, the quickest way, the cheapest way, and the safest way to do refinancing quickly on adding value to a property. The other benefit of being able to buy cash is to get the deals at a cheaper price. So you can walk into an agent and say, we are a cash buyer. We can complete in the next 10, 14 days. And with a cash purchase, you can complete quickly. Exchange and complete quickly. Because with a mortgage purchase, you've got to wait for the bank to send out a valuer to do a valuation on the property. They're going to want searches and everything done while you can take an indemnity insurance policy if you buy cash. So the, de the delays on a bank purchase, it can take maybe 28 days plus, uh, usually six to eight weeks even for a normal bank financed purchase to happen. While with cash, you've already got the keys and you're halfway through the refurb in the same period of time. Very big difference. And it allows you to scale quickly, but also at a much faster pace. So there's some reasons, but there's more. Maybe you just want to tap into the knowledge, experience, and wealth of the other person. So joint venture partners can bring different things to the table. It doesn't necessarily have to be the money. Why would the person with the money lend it to you or joint venture with you? Because they perceive that you are bringing the knowledge. You have something they need. They have something that you need. They have the money that you need. You have the knowledge and the experience that they need. So you provide the knowledge and experience. They provide the wealth. It, is a, it means both people are benefiting from it. But it recession-proofs you. If you are buying property with a joint venture partner, it can recession-proof you. There is a drop in the property market coming. Once October hits, there will be a drop coming. Already, I'm reading reports that over 700,000 people have lost their jobs in the UK. But here's the scary part. There's a huge percentage of the population still on furlough, still furloughed. A lot of these companies put their staff on furlough to protect them because the government would pay 80% of their wages. Okay? A lot of people that were given no, whoa, spilt the drink. A lot of people that were given notice on their jobs, right? Given notice on their jobs, got re-employed about three days later. If we forget quickly, if you remember in March this year, in March, the government initially said we're doing a lockdown. Companies immediately started sacking all their employees, laying them off, getting rid of them. Then the government had a big panic. There was uproar in the country. There would have been riots on the streets. So the government said, hang on a second. We will furlough you. Bring your staff back and furlough them. We'll pay their wages. They've been doing that since March, and they're doing it up until October. Now, what will happen in October is the companies have to take their people back. And the government have tried to bring in some... Um, incentives to get them to bring the people back to their jobs. But the incentives are like a thousand pounds per employee to, to keep them on board. It's not enough money if you imagine somebody is getting paid three grand a month. But we watch the news and see the thousand pound, the 1500 quid, this money the government had given. And we think, oh, it's in the government, great. Employers need to keep these people on. 
But if you're on a 30 grand a year salary, that's going to cost the employer maybe three grand a month just to keep you on their books, more than three grand a month. They can't, that for one grand is a drop in the ocean. If they don't have the work, the income they, to create, to bring in the money that they're paying you on wages plus some, then they're going to have to let the person go. So what there's going to be a lot of conversations happen between now and October where companies are going to be saying, I know that we get put you on furlough, but I'm really sorry. We're not going to be able to take you back. We're going to have to let you go. There's going to be a huge spike in unemployment, which is going to lead to a downturn in the market. There's a false bubble right now. False bubble. I'm hearing it all over the country that house prices are up, house prices are up, prices aren't dropping. It's a false bubble. False bubble because the market shut for three months, so there was a pent-up demand. Now the market's reopened, that pent-up demand is getting sorted out. Come October, there's going to be a big problem. And the government know this. How do we know they know this? Very simply, they've introduced a stamp duty cut. They've cut stamp duty. The government know that there's going to be a big problem. So they've said every house under 500 grand, there is no stamp duty. That's for initial home purchases. So investors, as we are, we still have to pay the additional 3%. So the additional 3%, but we don't have to pay the initial stamp duty. So it's still cheaper even for investors under 500 grand, but don't be mistaken, you still have to pay that 3%. Now, the government have done that to try and get a little bit of um, incentive back into the market, get a little bit of um, life into the property market. However, it does not change the fact that there's going to be large unemployment. And it doesn't matter what stamp duty is, when there's unemployment, there's going to be job losses and people who can't afford to keep their homes. This is an opportunity. So we didn't create the problem, but this is an opportunity at the same time to help people, help people through doing creative strategies. You can use creative strategies like lease options to help somebody not have to lose their home, not have to sell their home at a 25% discount and take a massive loss, not get repossessed because they can't meet their mortgage. So lease options is a really powerful tool that you can help people who are struggling right now in the crash or when it comes come October onwards. With joint venture finance, in a recession, you do not necessarily have as good an ability as we said about getting money from a bank. But what if you already bought property? If you bought property in your personal name or in your company, but alone, just individually you, so either personally or in a limited company, but it's just you or you and your partner, and you bought it in the last two or three years, and we have a 10, 15, 20% cr crash in the property market, your property could start to go from positive equity to negative equity. If it starts pushing towards negative equity, and you've got problems with tenants not paying the rent, you're going to have a squeeze on your finances. A lot of people took mortgage holidays right at the beginning of March, the end of March, sorry, when um, the government introduced the three-month mortgage holiday. Now, if you did, that means that your business is tight, financially tight on cash flow. So it's not a build business that's built brilliantly. And there's a saying that says that you see who's been swimming with the sharks when the tide goes out. The tide is on its way out at the moment. And anybody who's got a business that's just barely cash flowing, they're going to be caught with their pants down. Now, if you had a joint venture partner who was wealthy, who could fund the cash, they would get you through this period of time. So joint venture cash, joint venture partners that are cash rich, recession proof you. They allow you to keep your business moving through downturns, through bad times. That's another reason why joint ventures are very, very important. There's, it's all about protecting the downside. Stop focusing on only having 50% of the profit and focus on 50% of the downside. 
It's much better than having 100% of downside. You become invincible. When you have joint venture partners, you become invincible. You become invincible mainly because once you learn how to do joint ventures, once you learn how to raise money, create money from, raise joint venture partner money, you learn it once, you implement it forever. If you raised a million pounds, and actually that's not a, that difficult a number, but if you raised a million pounds in joint venture finance, here's the thing, that doesn't allow you to buy a million pounds worth of property. That allows you to buy millions of pounds worth of property. Why? Because you can buy a few hundred grand property, one, two, three hundred grand property, buy it, refurbish it, refinance it, add value, get the money back and recycle it to do it again. Rinse and repeat. So you don't need to raise millions of pounds worth of, prop of funding. Maybe to build a portfolio, depending on where you are in the country, maybe all you need is 500 grand in JV Finance. 500 grand, 300 grand. I started off with 100 grand. 100 grand joint venture partner. And we were able to buy, refurbish a house in Nottinghamshire for under 100 grand. Purchase it and refurbish it. Get the property refinanced, pay the investor back, and then go use the money for another deal. So imagine if you had only 500 grand to join. 500 grand, you could buy, refurbish, refinance, and then use the same money, recycle the money, and use the same money over and over and over again. So you don't need to be looking for more money all the time. You just need to recycle the money you've already raised. Here's the thing. You need a plan. What is your plan? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You need a clear plan on your property business. So what should you have in the, in the plan? Well, where are you gonna raise the money? How are you gonna raise the money? What places are your potential JV partners? Who is your customer avatar? Do you know the type of person that you're looking to target? You have to create a plan. And then that's the plan around the person you're looking to target. What about the type of property you're looking to target? What type of deals are you looking to do? What area are those deals in? What's the price of those properties? What would the value be after the refurb? What would the cost of the refurb be? How many properties are you looking to do in a year? Have you got a very clear plan around how you're going to build your property business? How many joint venture partners do you need? Are you looking for joint venture partners or just money loans? Because there's a big difference. Now, I know all of this stuff today and I use all of this stuff today, but here's the thing, I didn't always know this stuff. I said my first 10 years in property, I built a debt. I didn't know how to do creative strategies. I didn't know how to do joint ventures. The first time I attempted it, I got it wrong. I didn't know what I was doing. And I started off and I bought property in the wrong places for the wrong money. And I thought it'd be worthwhile sharing a little bit of me before Progressive. So before Progressive, before I came here in 2013, I was a quality manager for Lang O'Rourke. So Lang O'Rourke's a large construction company, but I wasn't, I worked in a large construction company where we weren't building houses. They were building Heathrow Terminal 5 and the, um, you know, the airport in Dubai and various big roads, railway projects, um, shopping centers, car parks, hospitals, everything and anything but single let, buy to lets, HMOs, SAs, not property. And I wasn't out on site building. I was the quality manager. So I was the guy who went around and checked that people had filled in their paperwork and were following procedures. It was an office job. I didn't know construction. So I didn't have any property experience when I got started in property. But what I was doing in this job was working long hours. 
There's a saying you work for long, but not for long. Well, I was working 60 plus hours a week, traveling all over the country to different construction sites. I was on the road from everywhere, from down in south of England, Bournemouth, Southampton, over to the South Wales, North Wales, up to the north end of Scotland. I used to work on Scottish, Scottish waters projects right up as far up north as Peterhead and Huntley, all over the UK. 